Happiness is the fervent light. This 12th chapter of Romans is packed full of helpful instruction to all of us. That's why I'm encouraging you again to write some things down because it's the tendency of most to forget. If you're like I am, I have an excellent memory, but it's short. And uh, for that reason, it's good to write things down so that we don't lose what God makes real to us at a particular moment in time. Our key phrase is in verse 11. Be fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Now, in the King James passage of Scripture in Romans 12, you may have some different words than I'm going to be using at certain intervals, but I will try to explain to you why we're using just a little different word or giving you the meaning of what is found in King James. We have here a cluster of exhortations from the Apostle Paul. One follows on the heels of the other very rapidly. In the 11th verse, the word fervent appears, and it means to boil over, to boil over. If you are heating up a pot of water and it boils over, then you get the idea of this text. It's fervent water. It's boiling over. So Paul is saying this is the intent of Christianity. It's not a mamby-pamby kind of a thing, if I will or if I won't kind of a thing. It is a boiling over fervency that God expects of every believer. And we miss that sometimes in our understanding of Scripture and in the teaching of Scripture. Moffat's translation reads this way, Never let your zeal flag. Maintain the spiritual glow. Serve the Lord. Last week, in part of our message, we talked to you about discipleship and continuing in the Word. And the Lord seemed to use that Word and that thought on continuing in a special way. Why is it that so many lose out along the way? Why is it that we often serve the Lord with the leftovers rather than the top of the kettle, that which is most important and most vital and most fervent? Here we have another emphasis on that very thing. The Revised Standard Version says, Be aglow with the Spirit. The Living Bible says, Never be lazy in your work but serve the Lord enthusiastically. And the Greek meaning of enthusiasm is entheos, E-N-T-H-E-O-S, God in us, entheos, God in us. And if God is in us, how can we do it with a haphazard attitude? When anyone receives Christ, the fire is lit within his heart by the Holy Spirit. By nature, the fire is not there. For contrary to what some say, there is no divine spark in the heart of the natural man. He's dead in trespasses and in sins. But at conversion, there begins to glow within us the fire of a new light. And that's the meaning of this passage in Romans 12. 
There are other scriptures that speak to this great truth that I am sharing with you this morning. 1 John 5, 12, for example, He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. It's that simple. Romans 5, 5, The love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. It does not come by natural means. It does not come by the works of men. The Spirit of God sheds the Holy Spirit abroad in our hearts. Ephesians 5, 8, Ye were once darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. That's why we say there is a fire lit within the heart of every person when he's born by the Spirit of God. And that light should never go out. It should be fervent, and it should be enthusiastic. It should be aglow at all times. That's the Spirit of God's message to us today. Having obtained the fire, it is necessary to maintain it. It is a fire that must not be neglected, for if it is neglected, it will die down. Paul wrote to Timothy and said in the second letter, chapter 1, verse 6, stir up the gift of God that is within you. Now, ladies and gentlemen, that's an absolute necessity for every one of us. Stir up the gift of God that is within you. If you don't stir up the hot chocolate that's in a cup, the scum will cover the top. And who likes the scum? It's true in many things. If you don't stir it up, it gets stagnant and it's of no value to the user. What the Word of God is seeking to say to all of us is that we can degenerate into a dull, smoky kind of a person. No fire there. We're just letting off a lot of smoke. What are the essential conditions to be met if we are to maintain the spiritual glow, the spiritual zeal, the spiritual fervency that this passage refers to? Well, let's take a look at it to see, shall we? I do not have time to touch on everything that Paul refers to in this passage, but I will pick out those points that I feel are most essential for us today. First of all, we have to remove the ash, the slate, the dust, the clinkers, and the soot from our spiritual fire if we are to maintain the glow. More fuel may be added to the fire, but if the fire is choked up with ash, slate, dust, clinkers or soot, the fuel does little good. You know what I mean? Today, we have people who run everywhere attending conventions, meetings of all kinds. They go to the Full Gospel Businessmen's International Convention. They'll go down to PTL. They'll run down to Channel 40 in Los Angeles. They'll go to this conference and that conference, this meeting, and that meeting for the deepening of their spiritual life yet never seemed to grow in grace. They never seem to find their place in the family of God in a useful, dynamic, fervent way. They're just going to conventions and meetings all the time. Now, I love conventions and meetings, and I'm not being critical of that. I'm just seeking to illustrate something to you Today, if we do not take care of the fire that God puts there at conversion, 
If we do not get out of there, the ash, the dust, the slate, the clinkers, the soot, all of that, we can add all kinds of fuel to the fire, but it does no good. That's why Peter said judgment must begin at the house of God. In Romans 12, there are five things which need to be raked out of our hearts if the fire of God is to burn brightly within us. So as practical as I can be, let's look at them this morning. If you want to be fervent in spirit, here's what you're going to have to do according to the Apostle Paul. Number one, you're going to have to deal with the ash of pride. The third verse of Romans 12 reads, you're not to think of yourself more highly than you ought to think. Now, there's an awful lot of that kind of ash in the church of Jesus Christ. There always has been, and I suppose there always will be. What do we need when we come into the house of God like this? We need 1 Corinthians 15, 10. We need this attitude. We are what we are by the grace of God. There is no one higher than the other. There is no one lower than the other. What we are, we are by the grace of God. Period. There are no front seats and no back seats in the house of God. There is equality in the family of God. And pride will deaden any Christian life. Pride will ruin any Christian fire and Christian flame that is ignited at conversion. What a horrible thing pride must be in the sight of Almighty God. It was pride that cast Satan out of heaven. It is pride that keeps people fastened to their seats rather than coming to an altar to surrender their life to Christ. It is pride that keeps people from receiving the baptism in the Holy Spirit. It is often pride that keeps people out of the baptismal tank. They don't want to get their hair wet in front of people. They don't want to go up and be humiliated by going down into that water and getting all wet. But my dear friend, that's the very reason for baptism. We humble ourselves in the sight of God that we may be exalted by God in a spiritual sense. Jesus said, I am a servant among you. I am he that serves. I came not to be ministered unto, but to minister. He who was greatest became the least. We need to get out of our hearts the ash of pride. I think we could illustrate it by a story I heard of a young naval officer who was promoted to lieutenant commander, and he kept it a secret from his wife until he got his gold-leaf collar insignia. He wanted to put that on his collar, and then he would walk proudly into his home and wait for his wife's surprise and delight at seeing that gold leaf insignia representing his promotion to lieutenant commander. So finally, his gold leaf came, and he put it on his collar. And that night, he walked into the house very proudly, gave his wife a kiss and a greeting, and waited and waited as hours passed, and she said nothing. Finally, he saw that she was on the verge of tears. She was about to break out into tears as the evening was almost over. 
And he walked up to her, put his arms around her and asked, Honey, what in the world is wrong? And she said, You didn't even notice my new hairdo when you came home. Isn't that so much like life? We think we've got something pretty important about us. And we don't even recognize the other person. That's why Paul said, I am what I am by the grace of God. There can be no pride in the family of God. Christ in the heart can make us esteem each other better than self. Now, what I want to do with these points today is apply them so that you can do something practical about these things in the future. Here's what I want to suggest. Every time you come to church, find someone you can greet and give a compliment to them. Hello? Every time you come to church, instead of wanting somebody to notice the new suit you got or the new shoes you got or the new tie or the new hairdo, you find somebody and say, my gracious, that is the neatest outfit I think I've ever seen in this church. Or walk up to an usher and say, dear usher, you have blessed me more times than I could dare to even count. And I just want you to know how much I appreciate you. You know what that does? That puts the two of you on the same level. You see? Don't sit down before a service anymore without having done that. Because what it will do for us, it will make us all the same when we come into the presence of God. And God delights in that with His children. None of us are to think that we are greater than the other. So this is how we can handle it. I remember being at a retreat one time with some ministers and a young preacher friend that I grew up with. We were in the same grade in school. We grew up in Sunday school together, went to Bible school at the same time, went into the ministry at the same time. In this retreat, he came to me with tears streaming down his cheeks, threw his arms around me, and asked me to forgive him. I said, well, what do I have to forgive you of? He said, I have had some things in my heart against you for years. And there was no reason for it at all, he said. None at all. When your church was growing faster than my church, I just got resentful. And I let bitterness come in. And I let pride fill my heart, saying to God, I deserve that more than he does. I didn't know about that at all, but I could see as he wept and cried on my shoulder that he had to get that out of his spirit so we could be on the same level. And what a beautiful relationship we had in that retreat when he came and confessed that to me. And I said to him, my dear brother, I've never thought that I was greater than you or you were greater than me. We are brothers. We've grown up together. We're serving the Lord together. And whatever I need to forgive you of, I do now here forgive you on this spot. And we are one in the family of God. It released power in our lives when that thing was dealt with. That's the secret. 
There's something about a touch that just makes us one. When we were kids growing up, mother's touch was wonderful. There's something about a handshake that's firm and meaningful. A tap on the shoulder, a God bless you, something that communicates. The boy came to his father and says, Father, I think I'm ready to be married. He said, how do you know you're ready to get married? Are you in love? He said, yes, I'm in love. How do you know that? His father said. Well, last night I was kissing my girlfriend goodnight when her dog bit me, and I didn't even feel the pain until I got home. I know I'm in love. Well, there's something real to that. When you can reach out and touch somebody and say, I love you, and I mean it, and I appreciate you, it makes us all equal in the family of God. And I, as far as Capital Christian Center is concerned, I want there to be no levels. I want it to be one level. We are all servants of the Lord Jesus Christ and ministers one unto the other. That's fervency in spirit, serving the Lord without pride. The ash of pride has to go. Secondly, the clinker of hypocrisy has to be lifted out. Our love must be sincere without hypocrisy. Now, here's one of those words. It's in verse 9. The word you find is dissimulation. That word is hypocrisy. That's what that means. Aren't you glad you came to church? You learned something. Dissimulation is hypocrisy. There cannot be hypocrisy in the family of God. Inward experience must tally with outward expression. What you say, you must do. And when you don't do what you say, it's hypocrisy. And we cannot afford it in the kingdom of God. Titus 1.16, they profess that they know God, but in works they deny him. That cannot be. That has to go. That clinker has to be taken out of the fire, or you, you, you lose the flame. It has to disappear. 1 Thessalonians 2, 9 through 12, speaks of walking worthy of God. Take a test with me. Are you walking worthy of God? All right, here's what we have to do practically. We enter the pew, service by service. We bow our head before the service ever begins. And we ask God for forgiveness, and we ask God to make us what we ought to be, and we ask God to help us live what we sing and what we pray and what we speak in the house of God. That's what we've got to do from now on. That's how you deal with hypocrisy. You don't come into the presence of God like the man in Luke 18 who lifted up his head and said, I'm so glad I'm not like other men, God. You're really blessed by having me. No, we come into the seat and it wouldn't hurt if we put our head right down on the pew in front of us and sobbed a little bit and say before God, God, I haven't been everything that I have said to others I am and I repent of that. I ask you to forgive me of that. I want to walk worthy of you. I want to do what I say and do what I believe. That's what this passage means. You cannot have the clinker of hypocrisy in your life if you're going to fervently serve the Lord. 
You lose the glow. You lose the flame when you don't do what you say and what you believe. Thirdly, it's in verse 11. You've got to get out the dust of laziness, not slothful in business. Now, what about the king's business? We interpret that as meaning our day-by-day, eight-hour routine at the job, but I think there's even a greater meaning than that. Not slothful in the king's business. When we consider everything he has done for us, can we be slack in our service for him? We are to be fervent in spirit. Now notice the word, serving the Lord. What are you doing to serve the Lord? Of Isaiah 26.3, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee. And there's that word keep again. Thou wilt keep him. Happiness is the guarded light. Your mind can have a covering on it. Do you remember in Ephesians 6 where the weaponry of the believer is listed? God gives us the helmet of salvation. Covers your mind. Salvation thoughts. Salvation inspiration. Salvation blessing. Covers your mind. And God keeps your mind in perfect peace. Where are you? Worry land? Fret land? Stew land? Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. Freedom from doubt, despair, depression, and discouragement. If I were to ask this morning in this service, how many of you have this week been troubled by doubts and discouragement and worry, fear. Raise your hand. Oh, I'm sure there would be hands raised all over this building. But there is an answer. The guarded light. Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. That's God's promise. Fifth thing is our will. I alluded to it a few moments ago. Our will needs keeping. Philippians 2.13, it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. That word worketh is the key word. It is God who worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. What does that say? It simply says that God works in you that you might do his will and that you might bring pleasure unto him. God works that you might do his will and bring pleasure to him. Is it an impossibility? No, not at all. Happiness is the guarded life. We are powerless to do the thing that pleases God unless he takes control of our will. Who's in control of it? God or you? God or Satan? Who's in control of your will? If you will just today give over your will to God, you'll have the guarded light and you will bring pleasure to God. The sixth, our whole spirit, soul, and body, or if we're to say it simply, our entire personality. Now here's the scripture. It's 1 Thessalonians 5.23. I pray God your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless under the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Spirit, soul, and body, every part of you 
will be preserved blameless under the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah! Every part of you, mind, body, spirit, all of you, preserved blameless to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Boy, do we live below our privileges. I want you to come up higher today. I want you to climb the ladder and get up on the top rung and get a hold of God's hand because He will preserve you blameless, spirit, soul, and body under His coming. That's His Word, His promise. Now, the third major point, the channel through which God keeps us, according to Peter, is our faith in Him. After talking about the extent to which God keeps us, every circumstance of life, we move to the channel through which God keeps us. Faith. Kept by the power of God through faith. There it is. Now maybe you're saying, oh, couldn't it be easier? I have such a hard time with faith. Oh. Hard for me to believe. Maybe it's because you don't know what to believe. Huh? You know that you can be no better than what you believe about God. So I want to be so practical as to just give you three things I want you to believe. Kept by the power of God through faith. All right, what do we have to have faith in? Number one, that the Holy Spirit is within us. Can you handle that? When you're converted to Christ, when you say, Jesus, come in, the Holy Spirit lives within you. In 1 Corinthians 6.19, Paul said, Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost who is in you? Can you believe that? Kept by the power of God through faith, the Holy Spirit is within. He's there to keep in every situation of temptation, every testing, every trial. He is there to give deliverance in everything. Romans 5, 5, the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. Now, here's what I want you to do with this point. By the way, did you do what I asked you to do last Sunday? Did you compliment somebody when you came into church this morning? Did you say something about their hairdo or their dress or their suit? Because it deals with pride. You can't be proudful when you're complimenting somebody. Did you do that? Did you come into the pew and say, Lord Jesus, forgive me of hypocrisy, not following through and doing what I said I would do? Huh? Well, hello. Here's what I want you to do with this one. I want you to go around every day saying, the Holy Spirit is within me. Because he is. Can you believe that? Do you know what? When you're about to punch somebody in the teeth and suddenly you remember this message and you say, the Holy Spirit is within me, you walk up and lay your hands on them and say, God bless this dear brother. That's why we need to say it. The Holy Spirit is within me. Repeat it many times a day. That's the guarded light. The Holy Spirit is within me. The Holy Spirit is within me. The Holy Spirit is within me. Oh man, I get excited just telling you about it. 
Because he is. He lives in us. Know ye not that your bodies are the temple of the Holy Ghost? He has nowhere else to live but in you, brother, and in you, sister. And we need to be saying it every day. The Holy Spirit is within you. Now, if you can't say it out loud, say it inside at least. If you're in a crowd of people, you can just be smiling saying, The Holy Spirit is within me. The Holy Spirit is within me. And there will come a sense of power, a sense of light, a sense of joy, a sense of glory. The Holy Spirit is within me. That's the guarded life. Number two, he keeps us by the angels without. You see, we've got the Spirit within. God is orderly. He puts the Spirit within and he puts the angels without. Now, I don't have a lot of time left talk to you this morning. So I'm just going to share some scriptures with you. Hebrews 1.14, they are ministering spirits, these angels sent forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation. Did you get it? Hebrews 1.14, they are ministering spirits sent forth to minister to those who are the heirs of salvation. Do you know angels aren't for the world out there? Angels are for us. Hallelujah. Ha, 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 world. They're not for them, they're for us. Ministering spirits sent forth unto those who are the heirs of salvation. Glory to God. Here we come back to this idea of the garrison again. We're in here. The angels are all around here. Myriads of angels. And if you know how many that is, tell me. I don't know. It's just a whole gob. Myriads. Thousands upon thousands and ten. Thousands of thousands of God's creative angels sent forth to minister unto those who are the heirs of salvation. Bless God. Here's number two. You go around saying, I have the Holy Spirit within me and I have angels around me. Glory to God. They are in front of me and behind me and above me and beneath me. Nothing can get to me because the angels of God encamp round about those who fear God. And I fear God. Devil, you're a liar and a cheat. You can't touch me. Can you believe that? Kept by the power of God through faith. Excuse me for getting so carried away. This is Sunday morning. I'm only supposed to do that on Sunday night. But I couldn't help it. Oh, we get pushed around by our thoughts, forgetting the promises of God, the guarded life. That's why I said when we began, this is one of the most precious truths in all of the Bible. Angels without the Holy Spirit within. Oh, I was going to give you some scriptures. Psalm 91.11, He shall give His angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. Daniel 6.22, My God hath sent His angel and hath shut the lions' mouths that they have not hurt me. Acts 5.19, But the angel of the Lord by night opened the prison doors and brought them forth. Acts 27:23. For there stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve, saying, Fear not, Paul. 
In the one I alluded to, Psalm 34, 7, the angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him and delivereth them. That's their ministry. You got it? You say it every day. The Holy Spirit is within me and the angels are around me. And you say it with fervor and mean it with all your being. Hallelujah. Third and last, he keeps us by the power of this book. Do you have faith in this book? Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall never pass away. Here's his promise in Proverbs 6, verse 22. When thou goest, it shall lead thee, this book. When thou sleepest, it shall keep thee. And when thou awakest, it shall talk with thee. Hallelujah. The word of the living God. Whether you're sleeping or whether you're awake. The word of God keeps. When thou goest, it shall lead thee. When thou sleepest, it shall keep thee. And when thou awakest, it shall talk. Are you listening for the Word of God? Now, I've got to tell you two stories and quit. That clock makes me so mad every Sunday. Corey Ten Boom. You know who Corey Ten Boom is. Corey, her father and her sister, kept Jews in Holland in a secret room, and the book and the film is titled The Hiding Place. They did it for quite a time successfully. The Gestapo caught up with them. They were taken to Ravensbrück, north of Berlin from Holland. Every day they saw the smoke from the crematorium rising 600 bodies a day, a day in the crematorium. Sometimes they had to stand naked as the soldiers stripped them of all their clothes. And Corey tells in her book that seven times I had to stand naked in front of those soldiers. Very humiliating. She said to God, God, I cannot do it. I cannot do it. When suddenly as she was standing naked, she had a vision of the cross and Jesus was on the cross. And the Spirit spoke to her and said, Corey, they took his garments off of his body and he hung naked on the cross. And the words of a song came to her, love so amazing, so divine, demands my life, my soul, my all. Her captain was scarred and her captain was naked and Corey could stand there naked in front of those soldiers, kept by the power of God. She did. Everything was black at the camp, she said. The ground was black by the coal. The barracks were painted black. The only light they ever had was the light of the stars and the moon. One, one time when she was a little girl, she said to her father, Daddy, I'm afraid that I will never be strong enough to be a martyr for Jesus. Her father replied, Corey, when you plan to take a train trip, when do I give you money for the train? Three weeks in advance? She said, no, Daddy, the day that I leave. Her father then said, 
Corey, that is what God does. Today, you do not need the power and strength to suffer for Jesus, but the moment he gives you the honor of suffering for him, he will also give you all the strength. In Ravensbrook, she remembered that. When do I give you money for the train ticket? Three weeks? No, the day I leave. And if you ever have the honor of suffering for Jesus, remember that he will give you on that day the strength that you need. That's what I'm speaking to you about today. You will go from this building charged and recharged by the presence of God's Holy Spirit, not knowing what tomorrow may bring, but knowing this, that in that moment God has the Holy Spirit within you and the angels around you and the Word of God in front of you and you will be kept in that moment by the power of God. It's His Word. It's His promise. And you don't need to worry about it. Paul Harvey ends his broadcast so cleverly with little stories, and this is one of his. Caught my attention. Happened in a little town in Nebraska in the first service. I called it Beatrice, Nebraska. That's what I thought it was. And a fellow came up afterward and said, it's not Beatrice, it's Beatrice. So I stand corrected. It's Beatrice, Nebraska. The church was the West Side Baptist Church in Beatrice, Nebraska. How many have ever been to Beatrice? One. I suspect it's a little town there in the Midwest. There are 18 choir members in the West Side Baptist Church in Beatrice, Nebraska. The pianist, Virginia, or Marilyn, is the daughter of Mrs. Paul. Mrs. Paul and her daughter, Marilyn, had never been late to choir practice in all the years of their ministry through the choir of the West Side Baptist Church. At 7 o'clock on choir practice night, Mrs. Paul called up to her daughter and said, Marilyn, we've got to go to choir practice. 7.15, she should have been downstairs. There was no one there. She called again, no answer. She went up and found Marilyn had fallen asleep. And because she had fallen asleep, they were late for the first time in their lives to choir practice. Royenna Estes was late. LaDonna Vandergrift was late. Mrs. Schuster was late, and she's always 10 minutes early. Herb Kipp was late. Joyce Black was late. Harvey All was late. Lucille Jones and Dorothy Wood were late. Pastor Kingful and his wife were late. Every last one of those members were late. And it's a good thing. Because at 7.30 sharp, the whole church blew up. There was a gas leak. The furnace exploded. The furnace was underneath the choir room where the choir rehearses in Beatrice, Nebraska. All 18 of them would have been killed had they been on time, which they were always on time. What are you worrying about? You worry warts. 
Why are you overcome by thoughts of the future economy? Russia, China, Cuba, Afghanistan, on and on. Worry, worry, worry. Will we make it through? Pray for me that I may endure unto the end. Kept by the power of God. That's His Word to us. His Holy Spirit within us, His angels around us, His Word being tucked into our hearts. We have no fear. We have no wonderment. We have no difficulty living happy lives because happiness is the guarded life. We are kept within. We are kept without. And one day we're going up to be with the King who has everything under control. Glory to Jesus forever and ever. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's stand together and give him praise and give him thanks. I'm through whether I want to be or not.